strange future, a 23rd century guide for the 21st century cynic by Josh Smith. With me, Carl Friedman, as your narrator. To say that Thomas felt miserable would be quite the understatement. He did indeed feel miserable. However, it went far beyond that. There was a complex network of emotions he was feeling on the ride home. Anger, bitterness, and despair, just to name a few. When he arrived back at his apartment, he was finally starting to feel a slight bit of optimism. How fitting it was, then, that Kathy McAllister and Teresa Wellington happened to be in the lobby of the apartment building when Thomas entered. Thomas Gordon, is that you? Thomas stopped dead in his tracks and exhaled slowly. He really didn't want to deal with this now, but he could hear his father yelling at him about proper social etiquette. Thomas turned around and walked in their direction. I knew that it was you. I told you it was him, didn't I, Teresa? Yes, and I was sure you were wrong. So sorry, dear. Don't worry. We all make mistakes. Thomas, darling, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay, I guess. That's lovely. You know, my joy was accepted to Harvard Law. Did I tell you this already? I think that maybe I have. Oh, well, no matter. He'll be graduating at the end of this coming semester, you know. Really? That's wonderful. Tell him I said hello. Oh, I'll be sure to do so. You can count on that. He'll be coming to visit over the holidays, but he'll be awfully busy. I'll ask and see if perhaps he can take some time out of his schedule to have some coffee with you or something. I know you two used to be such good friends. Yes, it's such a shame you couldn't go to Cornell with Joey and my Robert. I mean, it's understandable given the circumstances, but you three used to be so close. I hardly ever see you going out in the town to have a good time. I can't help but think that your social life would be much more fulfilling if you would have gone to Cornell with Robert and Joey. Now, Kathy, that's awfully unkind of you. I'm sure that Thomas has many friends from whatever college he went to. Just because you don't see him coming and going with friends all the time doesn't mean he doesn't have a social life. Well, Teresa, I'm just saying I think poor Thomas here really missed out on some great opportunities. Of course he did. But that's not his fault now, is it? Thomas stood there, somehow managing to endure the abuse. It was quite impressive, actually. But Thomas had long ago come to terms with the fact that every time he saw these two old birds, he would have to put up with their degrading comments. In his estimation, this was probably the 15th time this year, at a bare minimum, that he had heard this conversation. Teresa, I'm surprised at you. You can't possibly imagine that I would be so cold about the death of his parents. It's clearly not his fault. I'm just saying that it's a shame that things happened the way they did. Yes, but I think Thomas has managed very well with what he's been given. Well, there's no denying that. No, certainly not. He seems to have quite a good job. Isn't that right, Thomas? Thomas hesitated. He should have said yes and ended the conversation. At the very least, he could have ignored the question or changed the subject. But Thomas made a critical mistake, opening his fat mouth. Not anymore. Uh, uh, what? Come now. Nope, I got fired today. Teresa and Kathy's faces dropped, but their eyes sparkled with delight. Oh, Thomas, how terrible. Absolutely dreadful. 
Whatever are you going to do? I'll be fine. I've saved a quite a bit of money over the years, and as you know, the condo's paid off, so I don't have a lot of bills to worry about. Well, perhaps it's quite a good thing that you haven't had a very active social life. I mean, you've been able to save a lot of money that way, and that can tide you over for the time being. I guess so, and you've lived so conservatively these past few years. Yes, you should be just fine until you find something else. Oh, I'm quite sure of that. It's quite a shame, though, really. You're going to be rather limited. I mean, the only thing you really have left is, is your condo. This is all just so depressing. Let's not talk about this anymore. That's okay. I really need to get going anyhow. Oh, well, Thomas, if you need anything, you know who to call. I'll keep that in mind. Tell Robert I said hello as well, Mrs. McAllister. I certainly will. Goodbye, dear. Thomas left the two women and went off in search of a wall to bang his head against. The women didn't seem to mind and continued talking as if nothing of any significance at all had happened. This wasn't unusual. To them, the preceding conversation was, in fact, of no significance at all. Thomas burst into his apartment mentally and emotionally exhausted. He kept running over the day's events in his mind. It just didn't seem fair. He had never made a mistake like this before and was still shell-shocked that his first big mistake resulted in his immediate firing. Then, to top it all off, he had to come home to be lectured by Tweedledee and Tweedledum about how deprived he was and how horrible his life would be now that he had lost his job. <sighs> Thomas scoffed. Of course, Thomas knew he was completely fine. He had budgeted and saved wisely over the past few years, so he had quite a large chunk in the bank. On top of that, his parents' life insurance policy had paid off the condo, leaving him with minimal bills. He wasn't going to be in any trouble at all. But the insinuation by Kathy and Teresa that he was now going to be limited infuriated him. If anything, the exact opposite was true. Thomas had lived the large majority of his adult life locked in a single pattern. Few, if any, opportunities for change had ever presented themselves to him, and those that had, Thomas had rejected to maintain the status quo. Now, however, the status quo had been broken. Thomas was once again the master of his life. He was free to make whatever choices he wanted to. Countless doors had been opened. A new, better, more rewarding job could be his. He could make some new friends and have a more active social life. Hey, he could even move to a smaller, more manageable place if he wanted. Thomas mused on this last point. Work had always kept him sufficiently distracted, preventing him from really thinking about what was going on around him. Thomas would notice the craziness in the world, but it would immediately get filed away at the back of his mind while he attended to Marty's every whim. For the first time, in a very long time, Thomas wasn't worrying about Marty. Gone was the constant mental to-do list. Instead, Thomas could think clearly, and his mind was busy piecing things together. It was building a picture that was, to be frank, not pretty. As the picture became more and more complete, it also became clear to him that he did not fit in anywhere within the social strata of the city. This wasn't upsetting. It was actually a relief. The lack of a social life had always bothered him on some level, but he was understanding for the first time that it wasn't necessarily his fault. There was simply no place in the city where he belonged. 
On top of all this, Thomas had long had a personal theory that human society could only handle so much pressure. With the pressure from the strife and anxiety in the world increasing exponentially, it was only a matter of time before society's limit was reached. When that time came, Thomas had reasoned being in the city surrounded by 10 million people was probably not the best idea in the world. Now Thomas was free. He could move wherever he wanted. Thomas began envisioning a quiet life in the country away from the hustle and bustle of big city life. He could see the green, lush grass surrounding his house. Stretched above him, a clear blue sky could be seen without the obstruction of skyscrapers. At night, countless stars were visible, filling the inky void. And best of all, he wouldn't have to worry about getting axe murdered on the walk home. Yes, Thomas exclaimed to no one in particular. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get out of this city. Where will Thomas decide to move? Will we ever see Kathy McAllister and Teresa Wellington again? Will Joey Wellington, despite all expectations to the contrary, take the time to meet Thomas for coffee? Tune in to next week's episode of Strange Future to find out the answer to these and other important questions. In that episode of Strange Future, Carl Friedman was the narrator. Dustin Smith was Thomas Gordon. Kathy Friedman was Kathy McAllister. And Karen Smith was Teresa Wellington. You don't really think Joey will have time to get coffee with Thomas, do you? What? Oh, no, of course not. But I couldn't very well tell Thomas that, could I?